Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Glorio Chat, the best anime podcast on the internet. The most punctual podcast. Yes. We have managed to carve out a few hours from our busy holiday schedules here and fight through all kinds of technical problems that I'm sure our listeners are just uh, dying to hear about to uh, record one more podcast for 2018. Um, as we, you know, we didn't want to fit this one in because, you know, as, as we like to do a lot of our year end coverage and take a look back at some of our favorite uh, shows from the past year uh at this point i think all of our posts are uh, very glorio 2018 posts are up on the on the site where we individually look at things so you can go check that out and uh by the time this is at, this recording's out and we should have our top 10 list up as well so you know everyone go read that we did want to make sure we uh touched on you know our favorite shows of the year in the podcast form so uh that's what we're here for today so a um, bit of a light staff as scheduling worked out, uh, but uh, I'm Jell and we have Iro. Hi. And we have G. Basically, we're the only three people whose lives are so empty that we have nothing better to do <laughs> near the end of the year except record this anime podcast for you fucking animals. <laughs> so, happy yeah. holidays. Uh, don't don't undersell it, G. You guys you guys have uh, leapt through some uh, hoops here to be here, and so thank you. But uh, yeah, um, so you know we've we've got a lot I think to talk about. So we'll just kind of start moving right into it. Uh, like I said, we're going to talk about the the top ten shows of 2018 uh, according to our uh, infallible scientific formula that we use every year. Uh, okay, let me lay it out. Uh, number ten, Legend of the Galactic Heroes. Number nine, Legend of the Galactic <laughs> Heroes. Number eight, Legend of the Galactic Heroes. Number seven, Legend of the Galactic oh, okay. Heroes. Okay. Number six, we, we, Legend we, of the Galactic we, Heroes. My conquest is the Sea of Stars. It is an excellent entry in the Legend of the Galactic Heroes uh, franchise and a fantastic starting point, I think, for for new watchers. Did, but I think that the lack of context means that. It sits here at number six. Uh, number five, Legend of the Galactic Heroes, Dainoi Teze. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you just over the movie? <laughs> <laughs> that should yeah, be me on the list. I can't even entertain this bit um, anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, so our actual top ten, if anybody has not been following us for the past seven years, uh... <laughs> is uh, we do a bit of a weighted scoring system where everybody submits a list uh, of their top uh, anime of the year. So, like, number one gets the most points, number two gets slightly less points, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, and uh, you know, yes. I think it's generally gets a pretty good list. We could probably all argue uh, <laughs> about the order of things, but sure, I think sure. generally we, we pick we pick ten good shows and, you know, it's, it's hard to find any means of compiling and, like, you know, boiling down the opinions of, you know, eight to ten different people. But uh, I think it works. Yeah, you know, I, well I would say that, like, broadly, 
like you know, like democracy, you know, it generally <laughs> works. It, it it generally gets a broad swath of the people's beliefs. But as we've seen right. in Legend of the Galactic Heroes, uh, sometimes democracy can be used as a weapon to uh, disenfranchise <laughs> minority voters and uh, continue the cycle of power. Oh come on, G! Your your number your number one anime has been number one for like five years in a row. It's, yes, yes, it's, I'm uh... mostly joking. I think I do agree with you, Jill. I think broadly that, regardless of the order, I think uh, the way we do it does ensure that, for the most part. Uh, the top 10 is a good representation of the anime that we thought were the uh, the general standouts of the year. Um, as we'll right. get into a little bit later, I think, there are always going to be those shows that, you know, one or two of us, you know, really rallied behind, but, you know, maybe the rest of the cast, you know, didn't get to, and uh, maybe we'll talk about that in a well, bit. Yeah, well, why don't we get into that now? So sure. before we actually get to the top 10, we'll do some quick shout outs to a couple honorable mentions and so are these literally uh, these were, just the ones that didn't hit number 10 based on the numbers or are yes these just so these are literally seven? one okay. these are literally shows that received votes uh but did not make the list yes uh okay. which turns out to be a pretty i think decent honorable mention list and then uh <laughs> if you guys want to give one more shout out to Legend of, Legend of the Galactic Heroes D&T, then uh, maybe we'll throw that in there as well. But anyway, <laughs> honorable mentions. Um, so we had, uh, we'll just kind of run through these real quick. We had uh, Garo Vanishing Line. Yeah, sure. Hell yeah. Uh, the the third in the Garo anime. Right. Uh, uh, loosely based on the classic tokusatsu series. This is Arguably. like. It started in 2017 and rolled into 2018. Yes, uh, and yes. in winter 2018. Which is why it yes. seems like it aired even longer ago A than anything else. A million years ago. Yeah. But uh, arguably the best Garo anime? Oh, uh, I don't know. It's it's definitely... I mean, I think you could have, I think you could have a good faith debate between yeah. uh, Vanishing Line and... Uh, what? Carved Seal Flames or whatever. Yes, yes, the Carved Seal Flames. I always forget the subtitle of the first one. Um, I think, I mean, I think there's a worthy debate there because I think they both kind of excel in different areas. And, like, if you really go back and, like, watch both, I think both definitely do have their, how we say, you know, slower, weaker periods in each one. But uh, I'd say Garo Vanishing Line is just a, it's just a fantastic piece of, you know, just urban fantasy action pulp you know the, yeah i really want to see director sung who park do more stuff i hope he gets uh, more work and yeah. not just the zombie land op because <laughs> yeah. uh vanishing <laughs> line was his directorial debut yeah and it didn't do very well sales wise yeah but that I mean, guy's could... like one of the better action directors yeah. right now I mean, when you put it like that, actually, a lot of the shows this year, maybe this is a recurring theme, but a lot of directorial debuts this year, actually. Uh, they're same with Megalobox and uh, oh, yeah? okay. same with uh, Gridman. Um, well, first, uh, please, Amamiya directed Hitcho Inferno Cop. M- my apologies, you're right, you're right. He directed... Ninja <laughs> from animation. Yes, yes, Trigger Icon, Trigger uh, Legend, uh, Inferno Cop. You're right. Yes. But, but yeah, just to get... Uh, we'll, uh... <laughs> To uh to get back to Gara, I guess it's just that uh you know broadly you could say it's you know it's just it is well done at what it is you know the characters are likable and the action is you know when they have the budget it's frantic and 
and meaty, you could say. I think, you know, the better worst. Yeah, he punched a bullet. Sword, sword, the main character, sword. The guy's name is Sword. Yeah, the guy's name is Sword, but he punches demons to death. And he won my personal best new character of the year award because he punched a bullet, which somehow beat Akane Shinjo on those grounds. So, you know, maybe that says something about my own standards. There there are some decent comparisons to be made here with, like, Gridman because they're both toku at heart. Um, Yeah, but they kind of approach it in very different ways. Yeah. And I think for better or worse, it doesn't make the list. I mean, A, because I think I'm, like, basically the only person who voted for it. But B, I think for better or worse, uh, whereas the Carved Seal of Flames felt very complete... I think the ending of Vanishing Line feels a little bit too much like they're winking at you and saying, you know, stay tuned for the sequel. And uh, I think maybe that hamstrings it a bit in the end, but overall, I'd still say it's a really strong piece of work. I'm hoping they do a sequel movie like they did for seasons one and two. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Like, Vanishing Line could benefit so much from um, a big, just 90-minute anime spectacle movie. Yeah. All right. So, you know um, what else could benefit from sequel? Double Decker, <laughs> Doug and well, Yeah, actually, they announced yeah, so they're doing three more episodes. So, wait, really? Yeah, like I yeah, was I was just, I I was just gonna ask about. <laughs> I was just gonna ask about that. So, yeah, next next show on the list is is Double Decker, uh, Doug and Kirill, Right? Is that correct? Yes. Uh, yes. That, that is just full title. That just ended. Like it just ended a couple days ago, right? As uh, yeah. Well, yeah. uh, and that, of we course, is the, the finale uh, and uh, won my hottest best award. The, the fun buddy cop adventure from uh, yes. the makers of Tiger and Bunny that we're talking right. about here. Um, how, did you, how did you put be... a G? Do- uh, Double Decker is a, <laughs> a dumb show is... made by smart people. Yes, yes. The way I like to describe Double Decker <laughs> people is it is the dumbest show I have ever seen written by the some of the smartest writers I have ever seen. Like, the cast of Double Decker is almost entirely comprised of mean-spirited dumbasses, but in a way that very much works because whoever's writing this has such a strong handle of how these characters and how their mean dumbassery differs from character to character. It's... <laughs> I, I I really need to watch the show because that's very much my thing. I, I, mean, I love. I wouldn't say it's go. I wouldn't say it goes as far as the genre of like black-hearted <laughs> like comedy of like people being terrible to each other. It, it feels right. a little bit more. Um, it kind of feels more like Western pro. You know, Western comedy TV. You know, esque. You know, almost kind of like a Sunny in Philadelphia feel of like. Well, I like that show too. So it's. Oh, well, maybe you might want to <laughs> yes. check out Double Decker. <laughs> I should probably check it out. You know, it's but, it's the uh, kind of show that I feel like it works because it doesn't mind, and in fact, it always just goes for the most audacious answer to any question its plot brings up. Like, <laughs> not to get into spoilers too much, but there's a fantastic moment. I think uh, I think Iro, you'll agree with me on this. Is that this kind the of info, like information broker. Moment? Yes, yes, this is the info broker. So because the show is playing it totally straight this whole time. Yes, uh, yes. So to give some context, uh, Doug is kind of like in this Doug and Kirill duo. Is like the older, you know, uh, experienced cool. vet cop character. You know, and they kind of start to hint at his like tragic backstory that all veteran cops have in police procedurals, right? His former partner was killed by the crime syndicate. Right, right. So like his former partner turns out to be an information broker. And uh, 
it's like, oh no, there's his 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 buddy, this information broker that was killed in the line of combat, you know, the line of duty or whatever. But then it starts to pile on more and more details about this information broker. This is within a span of like maybe sixty seconds. Yes, that they introduced all, that those rapid fire. This information broker was uh, was an orphan, an orphan child, a little orphan girl. <laughs> um, that this that this orphan. Um, was uh was 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 Doug's uh, informant, and that Doug feared for her safety. This shoeshine girl. And, uh, yeah, just like this, like little, you know, just typical cliche, like little anime girl, like orphan, and like it goes into like, oh, but Doug feared for her safety and handed her a gun to protect herself. But then she said, "No, Doug, I don't need a gun because you're a policeman, and it's your job to protect us." And it plays this so straight that it loops back into this absurdist comedy of, like, how could this possibly be even remotely compelling because it is just piling on one trope after another. Like, they explain that, like, this is why, like, Doug is this, like, motivated, like, pseudo, like, class activist socialist who, like, is not (laughs) only just a veteran cop, but his true desire is to uh, get rid of classism and the barriers between economic classes in the city. Sure. And <laughs> it's it's just completely absurd. And like this plot line never comes up again. It never gets mentioned ever <laughs> again after this episode. Just like it's just like, you know, basically the right. writers were like, having okay. Like just having this entire like 15 minutes of this episode be very serious. This this cop has finally found a lead on the person who killed his partner and is going after them. And then in the last the like last five minutes they go they they go to explain his backstory and it's like oh uh, yes, his information buddy was the shoe shine the shoe shine man. Actually it was a woman, actually it was a little girl. Oh, actually yeah, it was you're... an orphan. Yes, yes, I'm sorry, yes, you you got it much better. Yes, that's the the series of reveals. <laughs> But uh, okay. it's just like it's just like that show operates in a way where it's like the writers were asking themselves, okay, Doug needs a tragic backstory. What's his tragic backstory? Oh, his partner got killed. Okay, how did his partner die? Who was his partner? And they decided to answer that question in just the how do we make most, it funny? Yes, the most absurd way possible. And that's just emblematic of that show's writing in general. Yeah, we're getting that. Like I wouldn't say it's you know again. There's a reason why this isn't in the top ten. And I wouldn't even call it the the best comedy of 2018, but there's a, you know, I, I hate to use the term, but there's a real heart to Double Decker. Like it's so it so earnestly believes in how stupid it is that <laughs> it it just ends it, up. Would you say it well. is primary? Would you say it is primarily a comedy? That's like it's if you were to. I would say so. Put it in a yeah, genre. yeah. If you wanted to be okay. like you know generate or you know want to be like a little. If you wanted to bend the rules, but you could almost call it a pseudo dramedy because there are occasional, like, slightly dramatic moments with the villains, but they usually get subverted within like five, ten minutes of that stuff happening. So, right, okay. Well, like I said, that that does that's one that I've been wanting to check out and just have not had time, but I'll have to try and get back around to that one. Um, sounds pretty fun. I know everybody that's watched it has spoken pretty highly of it, including everybody in the Glorio crew. So to check mm-hmm. that out. 
All right, so let's uh, keep moving. Uh, next one on the list, a surprise hit laid-back camp. A lot of people loved this show. Uh, it is exactly what the title says. It's a very chill show about girls going camping. Uh, there is a lot of... Uh, it's just a good relaxing show. Like, if you're just looking for something right. that is, like, just... Something you know, that's laid-back and perhaps yes. features camping... <laughs> some safe escape some safe escapism where it's just there's a lot of like i appreciate that like you know a lot of these you know girls doing you know whatever x activity shows it's very like high energy type of stuff and this is not there's a lot of quiet long shots of scenery porn and stuff like that where they're you know and i can see why a lot of people like it probably not for everybody like if you're not in the mood for this kind of thing i don't i don't know if it would make like just a general recommendation but um it's a pretty good show uh and i you know i can i can appreciate the appeal of it um yeah. i'm just gonna keep moving uh, yeah. we got a lot of yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i guess to say real quick there's, I guess there's really the not too much Go ahead, G. Sorry. I was just going to say, for better or worse, the feeling I got from this show is that this is a show that will show up in a lot of other blogs and places, top 10 anime lists, but I feel like it never really quite landed with uh, with our crew, I guess. Like, Yeah. I, know, I, just, I guess I feel like I never really fair. heard any of you guys. I feel like you know, it, measured up crazy. it measured up poorly compared to a place further than the universe. Sure, sure. Yeah. Same so it. Were. Yeah, that was the same. Oh, that that was the season. Uh, that was the cute. That was the cute anime battle royale season. There were so many shows that it got oh, buried under. Oh yes, yes. Right, and, uh, and all. La- Laidback Camp right. actually was like Laidback Camp actually was one of the best shows out of that bunch. But that all, they also had Place Further Than the Universe and uh, Takagi San in the same season, and those were better. Shout out to Takagi San, which did not get any votes. Takagi San was way. better, huh? That's I'm surprised to actually hear that. I feel like. I mean, I mean, I, I, on that towards the end. I personally enjoyed it more. I could see other people yeah. thinking differently, but sure, um, sure. I, you know, I, I personally thought it was better. There, but I mean, I think I was kind of expecting to like Takagi San, whereas Laidback Camp kind of came out of nowhere. I was expecting that just to be hot garbage, and it turned sure. out to be pretty solid. So, that sounds like your thing. Check it out. Um, moving along. So this one kind of breaks my heart. Uh, Sobi Asabase. Uh, it, it's like the ultimate girls behaving badly, like crude <laughs> anime comedy. Um, there are butt lasers and swearing robots and all sorts of fun things in it. Uh, okay. I think it's it's in the discussion for in on my opinion in the discussion for funniest show of the Gloria Gloria era. Which is, uh, you know, so that's a tall claim to make like, when, uh, yeah, when that includes the likes coming of like, Nichijo and, uh, um, well, Nichijo is pre Glorio era. And, uh, I, you know, as much as I love Nichijo, I don't know if I would necessarily say it's like the funniest show. It has a lot of things going on for it, but, um, if you're, if we're talking just like pure, like, moments I was laughing, it is, is definitely up there, uh, with like, I, I, I always compare it more to like or something like that. Oh um, yes, yes, of course. <laughs> it's that's probably the that's probably the closest comparison from the Glorio era that I would I would pit it against. Um, it's it's kind of has that same 
vibe to it where everyone is sort of a mean-spirited dirtbag and they're all <laughs> trying to kill each other. Um, so, you know, I'm kind of sad that didn't make the list because that was a really great comedy. So definitely check that out. Um, and finally, I don't think any of us watched this, but millennial favorite, uh, Agretzko. No. Uh, I like the, was the, I refused to watch it out of spite <laughs> because no matter how many show and may I would try to get people I knew uh, people I know <laughs> to watch like I'd like say here's all these good shows you should check out and they would watch none of them and instead they would watch Agretzko because Netflix's newest theme yeah speaks I... to uh go ahead G. Oh, I was just going to say, Eero, don't worry. I have totally been in your shoes where I will be recommending X, Y, and Z. And, you know, the, the, these this fucking casual filth will only talk about shows A, B, and C. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, fine then. Maybe A, B, and C is genuinely good. Maybe there are some genuine merits to its show. But because you won't watch my favorite, fuck you. I'm going to just ignore it out of spite. G, you're the master of not watching a show out of spite, yes. Oh, yes, but, uh... yes, I am. <laughs> the, uh... <laughs> yeah, what is it now? Champion since 1998. Um, yeah. For... Heavyweight champion of not watching a show out of spite because of its yeah. uh, garbage and perhaps arguably subhuman fan base. Yes, yes. Uh... <laughs> but uh, we'll, so, we'll get into that. Uh, maybe... I... Maybe another another time, but yes. I guess we're supposed to be staying positive here. So that is yes. the the, <laughs> the, San, the Sanrio spinoff. Uh, that, they were, that red panda. about it. Yes, the little red panda office worker that gets into death metal to alleviate her frustrations dealing with the working world, which. Sure. Again, is why it appeals heard, to me. I've heard it's quite good. Millennial crowd. Yes, I mean, and they just put out a they just put out a Christmas special, apparently. So I guess go check I did that, that out. Yes. Um. And uh, yeah, so that's pretty much honorable sums it mentions. up then for the honorable mentions. Yeah, and uh, you know, there's probably a lot of other shows we missed in there, but you know. If anybody, if we missed anything, yeah, <laughs> Iro, you already snuck it onto the list last year. We'll, 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 I know we'll that's why I didn't this year. <laughs> yeah, so. I can respect. I can respect your restraint this year, Iro, to not just try and shove Pokemon again into uh, <laughs> it's good. into the list somehow. If if we if we missed your favorite show, please yell at us in the comments. But yeah. uh, we're gonna and, and I do want to say a- I, I sorry sorry go ahead go, go ahead G. Oh, okay. Apologies for that, guys. It's a, it's been a, it's early in the morning for some of us. Anyways, um, I do want to say I'm sure this is subtext, but I just want to make a text because I think often people can get wound up based on lists. But of course, at the end of the day, this is our subjective top ten list, and it's not even anybody's individual top ten list. And we're certainly not going to say that oh, the this is the objective best anime of the list, and anything that doesn't make the list can fuck off and die. You know, this is just, these are the shows that we got around to and that we enjoyed. So, you know, no, no disrespect. If there are shows that, yes, yes. So no disrespect to any shows that didn't make the list. It's just they, you know, they weren't for our crowd. 
Unless, uh, unless Goblet Slayer some... is in your top ten list, then you can fuck off and die. But otherwise... yeah, there's some shows I would. Uh, there's some shows I would disrespect. I mean, Darling in the Franks was this year, so <laughs> sure, yes, that's uh, three girls or whatever. Yeah, like... but uh, no, th- you know this. This is just the you know accurate and scientifically proven list. I mean, you're you're free to disagree. That's a <laughs> So, all right, let's um, let's get into it then. So. Number yeah, 10, and you can all follow along at home. If you don't have the show notes, you can look at our actual top 10 list where we write, we'll write more detailed and get other voices. I'm kind of, I, I was, I kind of wish I could have had like everybody on this final podcast, but you know, that obviously doesn't work out. So, but we'll, <laughs> we'll do our best to cover some of these shows like that. Even, you know, some of them, I think, I think at least one of us has watched all of them. Right. So we should be sure. I think we should, we so. Be okay, I think. Yeah, I think so. I, I checked beforehand. I did the math beforehand. All right. So number ten is uh, "Blooming to You," which yeah, I'm uh, is on even at number ten. Yeah. Uh, which which is uh, you know just just wrapping up uh, this season. Uh, so "Blooming yeah. to You," it, it, you know, I'm gonna, I'll give a quick synopsis synopsis for all these in case anybody has not seen them or been following our coverage. But "Blooming to You" is the story about. Uh, there's this girl named you who is fascinated with the, you know, the concepts of romance and how it's depicted in, in fiction. And, but she doesn't, she's never experienced romance. She doesn't understand it at all. Uh, and then she meets uh, Toko senpai who uh, promptly falls in love with her. I'm meaning Toko falls in love with her and she doesn't quite know. And you doesn't quite know how to handle it. And uh, that's kind of the basis. I think anything else would be kind of spoilerish from there that's kind of the basis of the drama of where the show goes as the two kind of work out their relationship and uh you know we're i would say we're probably the least qualified members of the glorio crew to really have any kind of in-depth discussion on this uh (laughs) yeah i can't really i can't really provide much context as far as like the yuri genre and how shows like this usually pan out but i guess what i can say from the context of you know, mainstream anime and, you know, what, which is what this is kind of, you know, pushing its way into. Uh, I very much appreciate that it does not dance around the subject material all that much. Like it very much calls this a, you know, romantic relationship. Uh, you know, I think of shows like what's throughout sound euphonium as an example where, you know, there's, there's, you know, girls that seem to be really into each other, but they never actually say it, and they dance around the topic, and you know, go other places with it or whatever. Like, this is right. very much focused. And there's on, the one, there's the one episode where they like straight up call out the certain stereotypes in the genre, right? The, like class S stuff, where <laughs> yeah, they very specific. heavy scare quotes of what I'm about to say, where it's okay if girls date in when they're students because it's just practice for later when they they date men. And they're like, no, that's not, (laughs) that's not, yeah. That's not how it works. works. And I mean, like the, and like there is like, and it is like, there's like a, you know, not just an emotional, but there's a physical component to their relationship that they're trying to navigate. Like they're not like dancing around that at all. And I very much appreciate that. I mean, at least in in context of mainstream anime, it feels almost like groundbreaking um, that they're so open about all of that. And I th- 
but um you know even just you know you would just that i mean you, you kind of have to just respect that in itself but even beyond that i think it's you know it's pretty well written the the, the story's good the characters you like the characters and you you know it's it's yeah. it's a nice production overall so it's you know it's not just that it's doing something you know progressive but also that it's it's just a good show yeah like the the uh character drama level stuff would work regardless of some of the other elements which is not to say that which is not to say that oh if you just took it all out it would still be good or whatever but right is solid yeah Yeah, well i think what you're saying is that it stands on the merits of being a good piece of work regardless of just like like it like uh divorced from its good intentions and its uh it's a bold willingness to like confront these kind of topics that take it on its own. It is a, a well-executed yeah. piece of fiction. Even if right. it were a quote unquote normal romance story, like the character relationships and issues therein would still function. Right. Yeah. Like, I guess by like contrast, like we talked about this in the last episode with Zombieland Saga, how it, you know, introduced a transgender character, which was cool, but like the show is still bad and I don't want to watch the show. Right. Like, so like, so like you, you appreciate, you appreciate like, okay, that's all, that's cool that what they did, but like at the end of the day, the show is still, that's not, so that's not the case with Bloobin to you. Like it's actually still just also a good show. So definitely yes. uh, recommended. All right, so uh, let's keep moving then. Uh, this might be one of our more controversial choices, at least in amongst the glory of one. That's got a gap in our current lineup of, of, for people who watched it. I think this is definitely the show that, at least, unfortunately, well, the selection of people we have here is going to make uh, talking about this one in earnest kind of difficult because. Okay. Uh, well, you guys watched. At least part I watched of it, about right? half of it. Okay, yeah, well, let me introduce I, I it first. About two thirds, but let let me introduce it first, so we can we can then we can get into it. So, uh, number nine is uh, Dragon Pilot, uh, Hisone and Masotan. Uh, this was the uh, the Bones original show written by Mario Kata, which was about a, right. a young woman enlisted in the JDF. and she discovers there is a secret division of the Air Force that pilots dragons that turn into jet fighters which sounds pretty rad right? every time which, i man, every time like, i say it oh my god man, uh, <laughs> it's like the coolest show. fucking shit 90% uh, of the show is just absolutely delightful in every way so um so this was so i guess this was mo- primarily coming from artemis uh which she wrote about it in the top 10 post you can check that out uh so i will try and act as like the uh court appointed public defender here and uh Double kind of <laughs> make make the case here for for dragon pilot but uh you know basically she was saying uh and i'm paraphrasing right. greatly here that you know right first first uh show show looks great so that's one thing uh yes. very unique well, without a doubt yeah definitely. Art, art style agreed uh that serves the uh serves the show really well i think i i've described it previously as both cute and gritty at the same time somehow uh it has kind of has a <laughs> It kind of has like a sketchy hand-drawn look to it. It's it's pretty unique and looks really nice. Um, but I guess the the strength of the show then would be like the the female cast, particularly uh, Hisone herself, 
who, uh, you know, they have a actual range of emotions and some of them, some of them are good and some of them are bad. And that kind of makes them feel a lot more like real people than, you know, your typical cute girls, you know, doing whatever activity show. Um, Yep. And so I think that's so far. Yeah. Yes. So I think (laughs) that's, that's, that's the show's strong points. Uh, She does mention, and I think you guys have mentioned in previous discussions on this, the you know the big asterisks on this is the the male characters who are all just jerks who are talking about how the girls are too emotional or trying to sleep with them or both um and the show probably doesn't quite do enough to condemn them for it uh, one might say the show does nothing (laughs) yeah so I, i i hate to roll right into like our litanies against it but and, and again, it is, you know, it represents an aspect of what some members of this blog believe are the best anime of the year. But I think for, I don't know, at least for Eero and I, I think Dragon Pilot is just a, it's a shame. You know, it's it's a show with a lot of heart and fantastic visuals and animation. And in other words, as, as you said, Eero, like 90% of that show is fantastic. But like the last 10%, like the narrative and the way it's executed, it just... It plays with a lot of tropes in a way that actually make it supremely difficult to like because of the tropes it uses. It's just like, haha, women, am I right? The show. Yeah, like, it's, it definitely plays into that. Like, here's the thing, right? Like, I think there's actually a, 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 a ton of potential for a story that is about, like, the difficulties and struggles of professional women in the workplace, right? Yeah, Especially definitely. in the military, which is so strongly male-dominated. Like... Anybody who has, you know, anybody who knows soldiers, you know, can tell you that the military tends to, you know, in, intrinsically breed a rather conservative mindset and or a rather traditional mindset. And that's true across all branches of the military. And, you know, the JSDF is no exception. But so, right. so it's not like these characters are inaccurate, right? Like these like these, you know, hard nosed right. kind of swaggering, you know, kind of uh, condescending men in the military that part is actually very believable what where i think dragon pilot at least for for me where it where it struggled is that it never really quite wrangled with with what that implied and what that meant beyond just like oh these guys are jerks but also these women they're just so emotional am i right guys right like i spent half of the show the front half of the show assuming they will all get their comeuppance at some point or that Hisone and the rest of the dragon squad would somehow prove them all wrong. And at some point I realized the show was not going to do that. And that's when I stopped watching. Like, I, I mean, right. I also stopped watching around there because it's around that point that they introduced this new plot point that I thought was very, like, I don't want to say distasteful, but gave me all the wrong kind of vibes to to put it simply so i think from what what i'm hearing from everybody because i i haven't watched past i watched the first uh two episodes i think so i can't really say myself but from what i'm hearing it sounds like everybody kind of agrees on the good and bad points it's just to the it's just a matter of agreeing whether the good outweighs the bad and you know, some people I, I've read a lot of other opinions from other people that loved it and kind of said the same thing, but they just feel that the the good outweighs the bad on it. I know a lot of the, the opinions I've read. Really from like, good. Yes, yes. I know a lot of I mean, I know a lot of the opinions I've read from, you know, like other women and whatnot are just like, yep, 
that's what we got to deal with. And they're kind of just willing, I guess they're just right. willing to put up with it just, and, and, you know, and that, that's fine. So, uh, but yeah, it does sound like we at least all agree, like the element, what elements are in the show. And it's just a matter of, you know, how much are you willing to put up with the bad parts or whatever. So. All right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so let's, uh, that was a lot of talking for a show <laughs> that we did not watch, but let's, let's, let's move on to, uh, oh boy. So, uh, number eight is, uh, devil man cry baby. Just thinking about it. I feel tired. Um, <laughs> this is the, yeah. uh, this is the, uh, the reimagining of the classic, uh, go Nagai manga by, uh, of all people, um, Saki Yuasa, which is a very interesting yeah. combination. That's probably the biggest appeal of the show. Even, I feel like it, w- it wasn't even that heavy of a reimagining when you get down to right. it. Like, well, I mean, the, the style <laughs> of it and everything, but yes. Sure, sure, sure. sure. Um, I mean, if you want me to go into the into the weeds on this, like, I could talk about how, like, in a weird way, Yuasa is actually the perfect person to adapt Gonagai's work because, like, both artists kind of intentionally trade on, like, this stylish ugliness to like further you know enhance the the very like bitter exaggerated emotions of its characters right so you know maybe it's not as crazy as it sounds at first because i i know for me i always think of yuasa as like this you know uh kind of unique almost avant-garde type of director in the anime world and you know we're going for like a old manga from the 70s it doesn't sound <laughs> right. like when, like when you say it when you first say it it doesn't make sense but when you really yeah. think about it like what you're saying is like how that how yuasa's style works makes a lot of sense i think with it and i think it works really well in this case but um yeah g you want to uh you want to give maybe you, you want to give a pitch <laughs> for this for this one sure sure i i think for i mean look it, it wasn't even my number one anime of the year but I do think that in a lot of ways, Devilman Crybaby is maybe 2018's most important anime uh, because of just the context of when it was released and, you know, just the kind of world we live in these days. Um, it's it's a raw show. It's, it's hard to watch in a way that is sometimes even painful, honestly. Like, just thinking about Devilman Crybaby puts me into a certain mindset you know it's <laughs> yes it's not it's it it's not particularly show. yeah yeah look it's it's exhausting it's a great word for it it's it's not particularly entertaining it's not even enjoyable but there is a grim there's a grimness to the way it carries itself that feels so keenly vital to to experience in 2018 you know it's I mean, the story is, re- is basically the same as the manga. It's it's that Devilman Crybaby is asking us whether humanity's compass- uh, capacity for compassion and love can be stronger than its hatred. And it poses the question in its own story and gives us its tragic and haunting answer at the end. But but because of the way it chooses to answer that question, it, it also forces the viewer to kind of look at you know our own world and ask if... You know, if are we going to fall to the same fate, or you know, if if there's some way we can prevent it, and and that even if we can't, even if love and compassion should fail in the face of hatred and oppression, that 
we still have to try. And that that is still worth doing. It is still valid. It is not invalidated by the injustices that are carried out in this world we live in. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. Like you said, it's kind of almost exhausting. Like even when I when I just saw it on the list, I was like, oh. <laughs> like it, it's 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 a lot to take in. It says a lot of things yeah. that are very true and but because they're very true are, are difficult to swallow i think um yes, totally and it is you know I mean, it's 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 brutal like they don't pull any punches in the like this is this was on netflix and it actually took advantage of it being on netflix and not aired on television because this would not air on television Oh um, no, no, definitely yeah, not. Yeah, this this was not just Netflix happened to pick up an anime and stick it like this would not be able to air anywhere else. Like this there's very graphic violence and nudity and sex and um some would argue maybe even too much, but uh yeah, there's, that there's is, some, I mean yes. It's you know, the, the, there are, there's well, some truly horrible things shown in that in that <laughs> anime. Yeah. I I personally so I think everyone's mileage will kind of vary for me personally. I felt like, yes, I get that showing those things in such a graphic and brutal manner are necessary to a certain extent. I do think it maybe was a bit overkill by the time. And part of it was I, I marathoned most of it. I, I watched it in two sittings. And, <laughs> that's and not the way to do devil. That's, Baker, that's, right, that's probably, and I, you know, we'll, we'll talk about blaming Netflix more in a minute, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> after a while, it's like, okay, I get it. We're all terrible and we're going to kill each other. Just let me, I'm going to go watch <laughs> Wade back camp now. Like it, the, those uh, at so, the same time, didn't they? <laughs> Uh, yes, I think they were out about the same time. Although I, wa- I watched Devil Man recently. I didn't get to watch it when it first came out. I watched sure, it um, sure. maybe about a month ago. So it's still pretty fresh in my brain at the moment, actually. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I, I think everyone's mileage will vary on it. But I don't think uh, you can question like from like an artistic standpoint and just from like a like importance of the message. It's hard to argue that like any other uh show tops it in that regard i think the i think the the reason why maybe it's not number one on our list or on anybody's lists you know aside from it being torpedoed by netflix um <laughs> is <laughs> kind of what you're saying it's like yes you know, those are those are all true things but like am i enjoying it do i feel satisfied by this and you know maybe we shouldn't feel satisfied maybe that's the point but also like i, I don't know does that mean like I, I would never want to watch it again, you know. Like, the, oh, it's totally. just, I... like the the, you know, maybe and maybe that's why it kind of gets you know knocked down on some people's lists. And you know, even though it has some you know strong and important and strong points and an important message. Yeah, I I agree. Yeah. I agree. I I love Devil May Cry or. No, I can't really say I love Devil May Cry Baby. It's a it's a very difficult show to 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 grapple with, but it's a show that I, I I care a lot deeply for. But also, I wholly recognize that that watching Devil May Cry Baby is like watching like I don't know uh, 
Schindler's I, List. And not, uh, no, I, I, <laughs> no, I, I don't want to start comparing anime to <laughs> Schindler's List, but it's more like it's it's more like it's it's more like watching like a like a a a three to four concentration of of the whole year's worth of news. Like just everything oh, that yeah. like okay, everything yeah. about like humanity, all of its all of its filth, all of its hatred, all of its sin, just condensed into this twelve episode series, and and in many ways, that's kind it, of what makes it. I think it's so only powerful, ten, isn't it? but or I think ten. It's only, ten right, it's only ten. My bad. So it's really condensed. <laughs> yeah, it's like it makes it so powerful because you are kind of just left completely drained of everything upon finishing it. But it's a very twenty eighteen show. Yeah, <laughs> but also I totally understand. Like that's not something that everybody wants, you know. I mean. Uh, for me, it's like when I was ordering my own rankings, I had to recognize that, like, yes, I respect Devil May Cry Baby a ton, but there are other shows that I enjoyed more, and that there's nothing wrong with enjoying entertainment. And, you know, because while I think entertainment like Devil May Cry Baby is super important, and I want more of it to be made, I will never condemn somebody for not wanting to put themselves through it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's just a matter of what what do you personally value more in your entertainment at this point? Are you looking for, you know, things that are making a statement and, and you know things that are, you know, important, or are you looking for something <laughs> to escape from all the horrible things? Um, <laughs> right. And, yeah. You know, there there is a certain like I was talking about before. You know, there's a there's a good kind of escapism where you just want to, you know, watch something fun, and so that's fine too. So it's just a matter of what you you know. Where yeah, where you're at, handle. Right? You know, you, yeah, you life can't just be nonstop. You know, bad stuff. You need good stuff too. So. Yeah, but you can't ignore the bad stuff. It's got to be a balance. So yeah. Um, I just don't know how many shows like Devil Man that just hold a mirror and say, "Look at how terrible we all really can be." I don't know how many of those we can handle. Yeah. In any given year. <laughs> oh yes. Right. But but we do appreciate it for being there, you know, and yeah. for, for being willing to do something that I think no anime since the uh, legendary 1988 OVA, <laughs> Legend of the Galactic <laughs> Heroes, has achieved. Uh, <laughs> all right. Yes. All right. So let's uh, let's keep moving along then. Uh, number seven, we have Planet With. Uh, this was the... Hey! Surprised this made it this high. I am this frankly is the polar, very surprised this even the, made the list at all. The polar opposite of Devil May Cry <laughs> Baby in many ways. Uh, this is uh, the anime original project by uh, Satoshi Mizukami. That's his first name, right? Yeah. Or yes. So he, of course, is the author of cult favorite manga, Lucifer and Biscuit Hammer. This is kind of his first anime project. It's very much got his imprint on it. Um, and, uh, you know, plot wise, it's something about these two factions fighting over the evolution of the people of Earth or something. And mostly it just pans out to a bratty kid fighting in bad CG mecha fights. But uh, uh, you got you got to do material. But Look, if Jell wasn't going if Jell wasn't going to do it, I was going to bring. I'm it just up, I'm okay? just trying so. I'm just trying to give the I'm just trying to give the whole picture here. Uh, but you know, in spite of its flaws, it definitely won me over. Uh, it won a lot of us over 
just with the sheer amount of heart and optimism in it. Uh, and yeah, it, which is very much, you know, Mizukami's thing. And, you know, Iroh, if you want to uh, <laughs> give any, give any additional pitch on that, you know, go for it. Yeah. I mean, like no few people in this right now can uh, touch the emotional core in the same way as Mizukami can. And like you see it in all of his all of his manga, and you see it in Planet with how he can make you care about these characters like very quickly, only a few minutes spent on each of them, uh, and just make you believe in their uh, struggles. Like right. I wouldn't even say like especially we were just talking about how Devil Man is very real and important and heavy and all that. And uh, Mizukami stuff, including Planet With, is almost the total opposite in that it's super, it can be very cheesy and like, one might say juvenile or just like light, um, but there's such an earnestness and heart to it that you can't help but uh, become attached to it. Yeah, yeah, as, yeah I, would as like, um... I would agree as like simple or even like almost borderline naive as it sounds like it feels <laughs> like it feels like he 100% believes it and like you 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 like you 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 almost have to get behind that like it's totally totally i think i think i think mizukami did his job i think mizukami fulfilled his end of the bargain on planet with i think yeah, the writing is far and away the best aspect of that show, and I think that the only reason why Planet With is not like our number one anime of 2018, and maybe not my number one mecha show of the decade, is that look, let's just talk about it. All right, like this show was this show was hamstrung by its production. Yep, in a yeah. way that like, preve- like it's a good show. It is a truly good show, but. Musukami is a great writer, and he deserved <laughs> he deserved so much more. And I think Planet With deserved so much more than what it got. Yeah, like yeah, just so we've we've <laughs> talked about we talked about this extensively in past podcasts. So I guess we don't really need to get into details. But I mean, it's really the the technical stuff that kind of hamstrings it. I think the. There, there is the you know I mentioned the bad CG robots the you know the the art is maybe not the best uh, but I I personally it's not even stuff like that but it's I personally think even more important was like the the fact that it was only one core and probably should have been two yeah uh, exactly it's was, it's was the, the pacing of, of the story yeah. like this needed more like Mizukami stories breathe. tend to be pretty economic but yeah. I feel like, but, but like, this show was assigned a certain amount of budget that forced it to be a certain length and of a certain quality. Totally, I. It's definitely the kind of show where, again, like, I think, I think, because of because the writing is so solid, if this show had had aired as many episodes as Gurren Lagann, if it had the budget of Gurren Lagann. If it had the animation talent of a show like Gurren Lagann, I mean, I think Planet it is, with it is the successor to 
to the kind of slime of right, like a... Right, Like, Planet With, like, thematically and tonally is totally maybe the truest inheritor of the Gynax sentiment and the, the Gynax sensibility of of how to do a show that operates in both spectacle and and sincerity. I mean, we'll we'll talk more about Gridman but later. We'll, I would have taken their budget yeah, yeah. and staff. <laughs> I wouldn't yeah, even, even taken that. Even that. I mean, we wouldn't even need to... Right, like, even... Yes. Keep guy next. Like that give level me, of talent, uh, you know. Yeah. Um, give us even like so, budget, but <laughs> yeah. Even it's so, just really. Go just ahead. <laughs> to see, like, being because I I've been the fucking evangelist for Satoshi Mizu comedy for years now. Uh, getting y'all to read Buzz Cameron and shit, Spirit, <laughs> Spirit Circles and Gokuyoko, and all that, and so. It's just really disheartening for him to finally get finally get an anime, like something that people might actually pay attention to, and then have it be so unnoteworthy in so many ways, you know? Well, I think, you know what, I think the saddest part is like people that watched it liked it, but the, I think yeah. because of those technical things, that outward appearance it makes it like even hard and harder and even harder sell. So like people are gonna say, Oh, it just looks like a, I mean like the, the art looks like, like a dumb kid show or something like from, you know, right. Like a Saturday morning I mean, it's, show or it's something. It's that difficult thing of like, you know, not to open up a time capsule, but if you actually go back to like when Gurren Laga first aired, like back in 2007, People were not actually immediately sold on Gurren Lagann because they were like, oh, what's with this weird robot? Why does it have a face on its chest? Like, (laughs) why are these characters acting so wacky? But like, you know, it took a few episodes. And I think not only did it take a few episodes to like endear people to its characters and its tone, but it also took a few episodes of like Gainax really busting out like, you know, some of their best animators on, you know, some of the most like impressive stuff they've ever done. To really convince people, oh wait, this this show is actually something very special. This we need to be paying attention to this. And I think I think I think for Planet With, I think people would have been able to get over the designs and you know some of its rough edges if it just had I don't know, if it just looked better, I guess. Had more technical polish. Yeah. Uh, maybe. Yeah. It's just a real pity. I mean, there's also just the sad so reality better. that this is also just the sad reality that in 2018, not as many people care about mecha shows too, but I mean, look, sorry. I don't want, I didn't want to, I don't want to, you know, open up that can of worms, but you know, I, I sorry, if you want me to talk for like the next 30 minutes about, no, about mecha, no, we, no, can, we can do that. Just going to throw that, going to throw that out there and let me conclude as I yes, say every yes. single time, please let Mizukami work with Kazuya Suramaki, hashtag free Suramaki. They belong together. Um, <laughs> He should have directed this, but anyways, you know, in spite of all that, it's the, it still made number seven on our list. Like I said, everybody that actually watches it, that, that I've seen that has actually watched it has, has really liked it. And I think that's a testament to the strength of the writing and the characters and everything that it's manages to overcome, you know, it's flaws to that level. At least it's just kind of sad. Cause like Iroh said, this could have been like the best show of the year. I think it had that kind of it had that kind of material in it. So 
All right, let's move along uh, to you know one of my personal favorites. Uh, number six, we have Hinamatsuri. This is the if you like I've joked before if you were to make an anime comedy in a test tube designed to my preferences this would probably be the show. Uh, it is basically the uh, the feel <laughs> it's the it's the feel good dad anime of the year except uh, the dad is in the yakuza and his adopted daughter has godlike psychic powers and uh, th- they're uh, they're all terrible people they. Them and all their friends. Right. Also, that it's they not meet. even that feel good. Let's be honest. Yes. <laughs> that's that's uh, <laughs> that's the angle I'm taking it from. G. But uh, yes, the yeah, everyone. It, it it ends up being kind of more of a, a bit more of an ensemble cast. And everyone is a bunch of lovable dirtbags, and uh, except our precious, dear precious Anzu, who is perfect and uh, exactly you know, has never done anything wrong. But, uh, you know, it's definitely my brand of like, there's a lot of like black humor and, uh, but it, it does have some nice heartfelt moments as well, but it's mostly the black humor stuff that I've really <laughs> been into. Uh, yeah, like, I, I really loved Hinomatsuri. It was, you know, it's probably 2018's actual comedy of the year. And I think that's why it earns its spot here. You know, it's, uh. You're right. I was, you know, this is not a show you'd say it has a lot of heart, unless that heart is black as the darkest night. But <laughs> you know, I think you know. Whereas, like something like Double Decker, I think I liked a lot because it was specifically like kind of avoiding the very like cliche anime comedy tropes. I think what makes Hinamatsuri works is it is very much an anime comedy, but it it executes it at I don't know the highest level possible. Yeah, it, it has it has kind of like the the anime comedy jokes, but it, it does it in a very like dr- I don't know like clean and dry sort of way that it's like works really well. I'd say it's not self indulgent. Right, right. Um, that's probably a good. They, they, they you know they're like there's a lot of great like say silly faces, but there's not like you know a lot of like art style shifts and like crazy color palettes and stuff like that, that you would normally see in like a, another anime comedy. It's, it's very, there's a, there's a level of restraint there. It's probably a good way of putting it, but um, yeah, I, I just, it very much is my kind of thing. Like if you've seen me talk about some of the other obscure comedies over the years that I like, like, you know, Bimbo Gamiga or whatever. I was, <laughs> how many, how many consecutive podcasts have I mentioned that? Uh, and, uh, <laughs> you know, those, those kinds of shows, uh, you know, even to a certain degree, you know, we mentioned Asobi Asabase earlier is another type of that, that kind of similar type of show. Um, this, this one, I, I, I think Hinamatsuri is better because while Asobi Asabase is like probably funnier, like, like laugh for laugh. Um, I feel like Hinamatsuri is kind of a more well-rounded show overall. Um, like you actually, <sighs> I don't want to say you like the characters, but you kind of do. Like you I said, they're kind of like, them. yeah, they're, they're like, lo- they're lovable dirtbags. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's just, it's just like, I really don't, I don't, I don't, there's like not a, I don't even think there was a bad episode. Like there's really almost nothing I would say bad about it other than the ending is a little weird. I which, mean, you could uh, argue that the, uh, the, what is it? The last episode is uh maybe not the strongest 
Yeah, we we talked about that extensively in the the wrap up podcast for that season. I forget what was it last season or the one before. I don't know. They're all blending together, but uh, it ended in a bit of a weird spot where they they kind of set. I guess in a nutshell, the main problem is they set up a season two with no hope of us ever getting a season two. Um, is you know yeah. the simple? It's yeah. kind of the simplified. I mean... That's kind of the simplified version. It was a little more complicated than that, but uh, yes, yes, that's yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yes, let's put it like that. Yeah, yeah you know, I don't uh, want to spend uh, you know another fifteen minutes explaining the intricacies of the ending of the last episode <laughs> of Hina Matsuri again, but uh, you know, they, they basically, I think they basically we already had a podcast for that. So. Yeah, we, yeah, we kind of you can go back and listen to that, but we, they kind of left us hanging on the ending. But otherwise, like yeah. The, the I don't think there was a really a bad episode. It was just really consistently great throughout. Um, and uh, read the manga because the manga is great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if they don't announce ne- that second season, yeah, we're, we're never, we're never. To, uh... I think, I think it sold. I think the show sold horribly. So I don't. I would not hold your breath for season two. So check out the manga. Yeah. It follows up on everything beautifully. And in some ways, I, it's probably even better than the stuff in the anime. Uh, definitely uh, check that out. But uh, yeah, it it is the best, uh, probably the best pure comedy of the year, and one of my favorites of the Glorio era for sure. And I'm the comedy guy, okay. so I've got that pretty high on my <laughs> list. All right, so let's um, let's move along to number five. Which is, uh, you know, I gotta admit, I thought this the way you guys talked about this show. I thought this was going to be higher, but then I looked at the other I... top five, and <laughs> I don't know where look, it would man, go. Twenty eighteen but... was look. Twenty eighteen was hard. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so we have the return of Lupin, Lupin the Third, Part Five. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which uh, kind of surprised everybody with the, I guess, the direction it took. Uh, they kind yeah. of incorporated really good. some of the previous Lupons and kind of tied everything together nicely. And uh, right, like the whole meta plot of this series is is literally just like Lupin has been around for a very long time, and now it's 2018, and we have stuff like cell phones and security cameras and technology that really would make it difficult for like a classical thief to uh, succeed. Right. In the and, same way that Lupin the Third has for so many years. Yeah, and I'd say it even goes beyond just technology, but it goes into like the way society has changed. You know, yeah. the way people have changed because of social media, and you know, facial recognition and targeted ads. Like, just the way society itself now reacts to the spectacle of the gentleman thief. You know, yeah. Like, not to like just talk about individual moments, but there's tons of like bits in Lupin uh, the Third Part Five that are totally like. You know, it's like when uh, it's like when they the bad guys create an app through which you can like watch Lupin get chased by cops and like bounty hunters, and you know people are commenting it in the way they would if you know fucking Lupin the Third showed up on a Twitch channel. You know, like right, spam emotes. Yeah, emotes and memes and like you know, rooting you know like cheering for just the sheer spectacle of it all. And yeah, I think that's what makes it work so well, though, is that like it's a fantastic rendition of the old series. It, it's. Uh, it's a it, it you it, it introduces such a new and like unexpected elements, but incorporates it so unbelievably well into the traditional you know Lupin yeah. uh, trappings. 
like thematic thematically it can be all about how Lupin how can Lupin stay relevant in the modern day while still like between every major arc you, we get we get a few one-off episodes that are basically calling back to previous eras of Lupin third yeah. um to build that le- like for the many people who probably have not kept up with Lupin for the past 30 years or whatever. <laughs> right. It's just a fantastic shorthand to create the sense of like the mounting legend of Lupin. Yeah. I- I'm really glad you brought that up, Euro, because I feel like that narrative framing device, I think we were initially like kind of wary of it. I mean, it doesn't help that the first one-off episode was not very good, but like, I think we were initially wary of this idea of like, oh, they're going to keep cutting back to these weird one-off episodes that don't really connect back to the story, but... But they do connect back to the they story. They do, right? That's the crazy thing, right? It's because like, you, right. at because first you think, oh, these are incongruous yeah. to the main story, but then you have this creeping realization that each one of these one-offs is actually just like a... It's like an in-canon, like, look back at Lupin's legacy and his history and how those have created the persona of who he is in 2018. Right, like, it would have been, I think it still could have worked without those, but spending a good third of the entire show on making sure you understand the legacy of Lupin so that the show can make use of that legacy in telling the main story. Yeah, totally, totally. It's just really incredibly done. Yeah. It's it's a show where episode f- four, five, six, we were praying that it would stay good, and then it stayed good the entire <laughs> the entire some, show. Somehow, yes, it's. You're right. In a weird ways, I kind of do wish Lupin was higher, but also like, I mean, it can't be higher. I can't let it be higher than the things that I already managed to somehow shoehorn into our top five list. But, <laughs> but I think Lupin is. Uh, it's the best take on the character we've seen in years. It's, uh... Yeah. Because, yeah, as you say, thematically, you know, that show is as much a statement about Lupin the character as it is Lupin the franchise. And what what does that mean in in the modern day? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, Real good. Uh, yeah, I think it's just cool that they actually found a way to do that as opposed to, like, I guess one of the criticisms I had heard about the previous part was that it was just like more Lupin and, you know, nothing, you know, special or, you know, relevant to the times. Whereas, you know, this seems to. It's Lupin, but now he's in Italy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, part four. I only watched a few episodes of it, but part four was definitely just like, here's that same old Lupin. You remember doing the same old shit he was doing 20 years ago. Right. Right. Which is now part five is here's the same old Lupin doing the same shit, but the same shit doesn't work anymore because it's 2018. <laughs> right. How, yeah, how now, is he going to deal with it? Right. Now Facebook and Google and Amazon rule everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's pretty great. But the, the, the ultimate villain of that show is basically like evil tech bro. <laughs> yes. Yes. He's like. He's like Mega Mark Zuckerberg or something. Omega <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, that's pretty good. Uh, All right. 
So uh, let's continue on our march of shows inspired by old shows here. And uh, at number Hell four, yeah, that's yeah, about- the next few. Isn't yeah, it? we're going to yeah. talk about uh, we're gonna talk about at number four, a Megalobox, which is uh, I guess loosely inspired by the classic uh, uh, boxing anime or manga or both, uh, Ashita no Joe. Um, this is a much more kind of stylish, futuristic, uh, take on it though. And it's not just normal boxing, but it's, uh, people boxing, it's mega cyber boxing. It's people boxing with robot arms, which se- still seems way more dangerous. It's taken already, like, it's taken already, like, infamously violent, dangerous sport, like boxing. <laughs> and attack like, cybernetic actuators with people's arms so that they can punch even harder. Hell yeah. So... Hell yeah! You know, in the in the spirit of trying to don't think, don't don't get worked up about the details of metal yeah. boxing. In, in the cheer, in the spirit of trying to stay positive here, uh, I'll I'll uh, turn uh, you guys loose on this show. I didn't particularly care for it, but uh, I know you guys <laughs> really loved it. So well, uh, go ahead. <laughs> all right. So apologies to all the listeners. Like this is basically where I'm going to make my stand because, in my opinion. Uh, Megalobox is 2018's best anime. I I personally believe that it is by far the most wholly complete anime of 2018. Uh, Iro, you introduced me to a German term that kind of <laughs> described um, Megalobox. Do you uh-huh. by any chance remember it? <laughs> the the, the, the Gesamtkunstwerk? Yes, Gesamtkunstwerk, which is a Wagner-era term that basically describes a a piece of fiction that is uh, truly perfect in all of the aspects that it aspires to. And I believe that describes Megalobox perfectly. Uh, In the sense that I believe that in every aspect of its technical production and presentation, whether it is its music, the way that music is used in story, the the sound design, the character design, uh, the way its narrative is delivered both through dialogue and visual storytelling, its aesthetic design, all of it is achieved to a sheer technical perfection in a way that no other anime comes close this year. You know, if we were to use like the old GameSpot review system where you like assume <laughs> you, you assign a a, a, numer- a numerical score to individual aspects like music, visuals, etc., like Megalobox is like a ten in each one, and in the sense that like in each of these aspects it's set out to achieve, it it renders them masterfully. You know, it's. How do I put it? It's it every 20... aspect of yeah, that show is like individually polished to a very high level, but also they're all worked into each other so that each like each aspect supports the other. Like the yes. grungy visuals and like the uh like gritty plot of megaloboxing and the music all feed into each other yes you know it's it's the the, the infamous the infamous moment we always talk about in episode one is <laughs> where they time the beats of the soundtrack to the punches of the character and you know you could argue this may be a cheap trick but what it speaks to is just how in sync all of megalobox's individual like pieces were with each other and that like the sum is 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 truly greater than the uh, or or the final product product is truly greater than just the sum of its individual parts. Like they enhance each other. It's 
you know, again, it's like, I'm not going to say it's 2018's deepest anime by any stretch of imagination, you know, it's, but I think the way it kind of achieves its gritty, almost mellow spectacle is, is unparalleled, you know, it, I, I don't, I'm not even exaggerating when I say it left me awestruck sometimes, you know, it was, how did we put it in some of those old podcasts? Like, Megalobox was something you felt in your bones watching it. <laughs> As a yeah. unity of vision yeah, behind like, it. Yeah, like, I almost, like, I, I hate to even talk about it because I feel like words defy the feeling. You know, it's 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 an anime where every episode title has the word death or die in it. And the characters break <laughs> into impromptu rap sessions about their struggles. It, it's an anime where you can feel the dust and the grime that's been drawn into every scene, where you can... You can almost taste the thick and pungent blood being spilled on the mat, and 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 and, and even when you know like what the cool one-liner the character is about to say next, you you love every second of it because <laughs> you know that that one-liner had to be there because no other line could be better placed there, no other statement would be more fitting than the one that is uttered in that very moment, in that very like you know just that very like second that it occurs because everything else, everything else has built up to that moment. Right. It's not like, it's not a show that is surprising necessarily in any way, but it's a show where you, you realize right before it's about to happen, exactly what's going to happen because you know, because you see everything about this show and you know exactly what's going to, what's going to go down, but also it's done to such a high level that that next, that doesn't necessarily bother me. Yeah. So I think this is a good example of just how, <laughs> I guess, uh, where our tastes differ or where right. our preferences differ <laughs> because right, yeah, sure, like sure. we, we talked, we talked about the last hey, look, time. Man, we t- there's a reason this isn't number one. Okay. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. The, the last time we talked about the show, we talked about how, when I tried to watch it and I saw, I was predicting what lines were going to happen next, I was getting annoyed. And, you know, some people, you know, some people are going to feel like you guys and, you know, it's, it's, it's all about, you know, the experience and, uh, you know, y- you want them to say those things, right. They're saying the things you want to hear at that part. Right. And I'm like, yeah. I, I mean, I'm like, I'm cool with like, I don't think anybody can argue like the, the the presentation and style and like the music and everything is fantastic. And I very much enjoyed that aspect of it. But for me personally, that's going to keep me entertained for like 15 minutes. And then, you know, I, I want to see either something more ambitious or something more or ambitious writing wise or story wise or something more creatively sure. interesting or something. Um, I, and, and I, I think and I, I think that's just preference stuff, but and yeah, again, I, I respect we're that. Not... I respect that take. You know, um, I think the way I, I would put it for me is like, Megalobox is like the technically perfect like gymnastics or ice skating routine. Like in many ways, like the best of these types of routines are very choreographed, right? They're very predictable. Like, you know that at this moment in the routine, the the, the skater is going to do this kind right. of twist or this kind of flip or whatever. And what is truly impressive about it is not necessarily the ingenuity of it, but the sheer technical excellence. Like, it is achieved so perfectly. It is accomplished so flawlessly that 
that in and of itself is the truly impressive thing. Right. But also, yes, I wholly recognize that. Like, look, Megalobox is about a dude who punches real hard and he wants to punch the hardest. <laughs> like, that's that's what it's about. But like, but like also, like, why why how could that be compelling? How how can we make that compelling? You know, the main character, uh, Joe, is not like this super deep character, but like I think his growth throughout the series is like very well done. Like he starts off very much in the Ashitano Joe style, like gritty underdog with a death wish like you know his one of his greatest lines in 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 the first episode is literally they don't make tombstones for stray dogs like he has nothing to live for but boxing that is a good line how he evolves and how he changes throughout the story into in many ways it's actually kind of a delightful inverse mirror to the original ashitano joe where in the original uh, story, Joe finds his purpose in boxing. He finds life in boxing. Before boxing, he had nothing to live for. And so that is why when he dies in the boxing ring, spoilers in the original fucking 1970-whatever <laughs> manga, Ashita no Joe, Joe dies at the end. Like, it's that's what kind of makes it beautiful and compelling, is that he dies doing the thing he loves. Whereas Megalobox kind of has this fantastic inverse to it, where that's where Joe starts. But then as the story develops, he eventually like slowly begins to like realize there is more to life than just this self-destructive rise to the top. And that there are other things worth living for. And that that in no way invalidates the thing that you devoted your entire life to up to that point. And it's again, it's not like the necessarily the deepest characterization, but I think it is just done so well that Right. There, there is something to be I said just, for execution, um, for yes. sure. Um, Megalobox wins the Best Execution Award of the Gloria Blogs 2018. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I'll, 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 I'll accept that. But uh, All right. So uh, let's keep moving along to yet another show inspired by an old show. Uh, Hell yeah. At number three, we have SSSS.Gridman. I don't know if you're supposed to pronounce the dot, but mm-hmm. of course the SSSS <laughs> stands for. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it? Cy- Samurai Cyber Squad. No, yes. no, it doesn't stand for that anymore. Now it no, stays for. Stands special for, uh, signature to save a soul. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, oh, I um, love that show. And I love. This was uh, 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 yes yeah, so, the other successor to like Gainax's sensibilities. Yes. Yeah. So it, <laughs> this, this year. So so it it was it, this this is triggers uh, take on uh, or I guess inspired maybe even a sequel to uh, the old uh, was it a '90s show or, or was it like early 2000s? Was it '90s? The it was, original. I want to say '90s. Gridman. It, it's got to be '90s, right? I think it was '90s. Yeah. Yeah. So it was an old to- another old to- Tokusatsu show that inspired this anime, and in some, I, I mean, it's pretty much we can pretty much safely call it a sequel at this point, right? To, to the yes, from, yeah, sure. From what I can tell, Successful. like I never watched the original, but from everybody unraveling, the I mean, you could say spiritual right? sequel. Yeah, but um, it uh. Yeah, I think it kind of surprised us all because if you think Trigger doing a Tokusatsu show, you think it's going to be the most like crazy, outlandish, over the top, you know, wacky, whatever. And like like Iroh just mentioned, 
it very much feels like an old Gynax show. There's a lot of restraint here. There's a lot yeah. of, you know, long pauses and pensive, thoughtful moments. And it's pretty great. It is still, it's still tokusatsu a heart. Like, it is yes. still men in rubber suits punching other men in rubber suits um, until they explode. Right, but... right. I think... I think that's kind of the the thing I kind of want to personally speak about to to Gridman is that I think that because of the way it presents itself and the way it its production has been, I think it was very easy for you know certain you know uninformed parties at certain bad anime news sites to call Gridman like oh this masterful deconstruction of Toku oh it's the Evangelion of Tokusatsu, but. I think Gridman actually what it really does, like its its actual truly admirable mastery, is kind of in the way that, you know, Gridman clearly comes from a place of love for the genre, and the thing I have to say every time that is brought up is that the writer worked has worked on lots of yes, Toku. exactly, and I think instead what where Gridman truly succeeds is that instead of trying to like. You know, find a way to quote unquote break the genre. Instead, it's it's evoking dive, all of the dives down to like the the depths of yeah the genre. Like it, it finds it finds a way to evoke all the best elements of that genre and seeks to present them in new and interesting ways. Yeah, um, just and, thematically and yes, goes go into like what took like I just said it was about men rubber suits punching other like men in monster rubber suits exactly it also gets into thematically like what is what is a tokusatsu hero what is a kaiju like what what is thematically the the purpose of such a of such a conflict i think i I appreciated uh sorry go ahead yeah i was just gonna say you know i did appreciate you know, it, obviously it has the, the toku elements, but even like as somebody who doesn't know anything about tokusatsu, who didn't watch Grid, the original Gridman, uh, it, you know, not that those things are bad, but I just don't, you know, I'm not, I haven't been into that. I still, it still stands up on its own and you can, ha- and it, it does both of those things. I and mean, it's not like, you know, one is more important than the other, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a good standalone anime. Um, on its own and then you know it's been kind of fun right. watching there's the extra depth there it's been fun watching uh you know it's been fun watching from the sidelines all the people who do know about the original Gridman kind of unraveling all the easter eggs and connections and like you know things that they put in there that really showed you know a love for the, sh- the original show and the genre um totally i mean i think i guess personally for me in a lot of ways like it is. I think. I think. You know. You put it best a while back. That it is both like the least, but also most trigger show in some weird ways. <laughs> like, it's. Yes, you're right. It is quiet. It is thoughtful. It. It is subtle in some ways that, you know, like because for better or worse, like when we think of Trigger the Studio, we think we're we are specifically thinking of Hiroyuki Amaishi. Uh, we are thinking of Amaishi's sensibilities, you know, the the director of Gurren Lagann, the director of Kill the Kill, the director of Panty and Stalking. The uh, director of a, Sex and Violence and many, at Knock Speed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Like, in many ways, like, he is a, 
He is a legendary and iconic anime director, but he also has these highly specific sensibilities that lend a very specific tone and expectation to the studio. And of course, that's not always true, right? Like we have, you know, Yo Yoshinari's, you know, excellent, you know, Little Witch Academia uh, stuff. And, you know, you have tons of other very talented animators there like Takafumi Hori and uh, I guess also Akira Amamiya, you know, the director of... uh, of uh, Trigger uh, Icon uh, Gridman and also Trigger Icon Inferno Cop. Right. Um, like, when you when we go to Anime Expo and see Trigger announce that they're doing Gridman, they're doing an adaptation of some 90s show Gridman, and also it's American version Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad by the director of Inferno Cop, and you kind of just <laughs> sit there and go, huh. Right. You have certain expectations. Of, right, that's what I was saying. That's what I was saying earlier. Is this going to be? Right, yeah. Like, and then they play a video of Amamiya going to a shrine and praying for the success of the show and explaining how it will be greater than Disney and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Gridman will truly go down to the ages. One of the best. And, but I guess that's the thing. Is like what, what Gridman reminds you is that Amamiya, yes, yes, the, the 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 lauded director of Inferno Cop, but also, <laughs> but also a true Gainax vet. Like this guy worked on Gurren Lagann. He worked on Diebuster. Like this man is a, uh, you know, he is no stranger to the Gainax legacy. And I think that's what really shows in. I think that really shows in. Uh, in Gridman, I think it's uh, yeah. There's some heavy Ava influence there. Oh, totally, yeah. totally. I'm I'm definitely not going to discount the the very heavy uh, Ava influence on Amamiya's directing style. I, I do but think. I think you know. Ahead, at the same time, it's he's not just emulating it, right? Like, I think the very like the very big danger, and the thing I spoke about in our Mecha podcast a while back, is that like the problem with a lot of you know the problem is never ever honestly Ava itself. It's unfortunately what the rest of the industry took from ava right like the what the thing i like about gridman is that yes it is heavily influenced by evangelion but also it does not feel like it doesn't have this weird slavish desire to uh to just emulate it yeah i you guys kind of touched on earlier this is not like trying to deconstruct or, you know, quote unquote deconstruct or, you know, break the genre apart or do something wildly different with it. It's just kind of like a, like the, when we, when we say it feels like an old guy next show, it's more the tone and not like, I guess what they're trying to accomplish with it. But, um, right. It, it, Cause you know, that's, you know, part of, you know, what Evangelion does is, is, you know, t- taking those, you know, mecha tropes and like spinning them in a, in a different way or whatever. But, this is still accomplishing, you know, ultimately the same purpose of a toku show or whatever, but it just the style and tone of it is very, very different, which is which is pretty cool. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, look, I don't want to turn this into the Ava podcast. We're saving that for another date, but you know, I think even then, right? It's like what made Ava work, and I think what makes Gridman work is I think these are works that come from a place of love and appreciation for the genre. You know, right? I think Gridman. Yeah. You can clearly tell that Amamiya loves Toku, that he really cares deeply for it as a genre, and that he's trying to do as best for it as he can. Right. And I think that reads very well in the way Gridman is presented. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I think. Shouts to Keiji Hasegawa. 
the writer. Oh <laughs> uh, yes, yes, of course. <laughs> I, I think, um, and you guys started to touch on this a little bit. I think more than anything, I'm just excited to that, to see Trigger has more talent than just Amaishi that they can do other types of projects and not just be, Oh, that's a yeah. trigger show. And it, that means that you're going to get exactly this every single time. And yeah, the yeah fact I, the, 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 I, I'm glad to see that they have more of a deeper bench that, you know, we never, not that they weren't there before, but we just never really get to see it um, up to this point. And I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, what other, what other projects, you know, past uh, Promare yeah. that they're going to be working on. Totally. Totally. You know, like, as much as I am Trigger fan number one, like I actually really love seeing uh, Trigger kind of grow as a studio and kind of represent this kind of new, uh, kind of very promising future for a lot of people at that studio. You know, uh, we've mentioned it a bit in the past, but uh, they explained to the, us at uh, Anime Expo that Gridman was very much intended to be a training ground for uh, for their new staff, their younger staff at Trigger, you know. Like, basically, while Amaishi and, like, his crew, you know, the traditional triggered crew is off working on Promare, they were like, hey, you, what do you, what do you guys, what do you younger guys want to do? You know, like, you know, we're going to give you this chance to do a TV show, you know, and we kind of want to see what you guys come up with. And the fact that what they came up with is Gridman is, that's really cool. It's, it's, good, it's really a good sign. Good sign for the future, for sure. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so uh, all right, you're gonna have to you're not gonna have to talk about this one because I don't think either of us watched it. Yes, so uh, um, moving along, uh, we're up to number yes. two <laughs> on the list. Uh, March comes in like a lion. Scientifically, the second best anime. Yes, 2018. So uh, I am the, I'm the only one currently on the podcast that watched this, but we have we have our yeah. So Trevor of- gels a soliloquy on March comes in like a lion. So um, this is specifically so this kind of barely eked in this year. So this is specifically for the second season, which ran uh, for two cores. It ran uh, the end of last year and beginning of this year. So it kind of just snuck into 2018. But uh, yeah. we've been wanting to give the show its proper props for a while because it's it's one of like, I'm, I'm going to be, be careful what I say here. It's one of the best shows of the Glorio era, in my opinion. Um, just really solid all around. <laughs> um, this The show is about uh, this kid named Ray, who was a uh, prodigy shogi player in middle school. And now we kind of see him several years later as he's kind of entering adulthood uh, at the end of it. He's like 17, 18 at this point. And he's kind of plateaued a bit. He's he's he skipped high school to become a pro shogi player, and uh, but he's and he's still very good. But he's not like you know the best. He's just kind of like another good pro player guy, and he's kind of trying to figure out what he's doing with his life. Um, they never explicitly say it, but it's pretty clear that he's suffering from some kind of depression or anxiety or something. And he's like a very kind of quiet, soft spoken kid, and. He meets this. Uh, he meets this family, this other family of three sisters, who are also going through their own types of hardships, and they kind of bond together and help each other get through, get through life. And uh, it's it's such a good show. Just like overall, it covers so many bases. Uh, it, it's you know, it can be funny, it can be sweet, it can be very serious. Uh, it's it strikes a perfect balance between. Um, 
like when it gets serious, like like it, it it will get serious and like not pull any punches. Like there's some pretty dark stuff going on in Ray's past that they you know bring up. Um, but overall, the tone a lot. The word a lot of people use is kind of gentle. It's kind of like more of like a healing type of story. Um, so like even when there's bad stuff, it's like th- this is this is not really about the bad stuff. This is about you know recovering and and growing as a person. Um, and uh, you know story's great uh the characters are great uh the writing's great the the art is fantastic so this is, of course is um been just like what shaft has been working on yes the past this, two has been, years, this has right? been the big shaft project for like the past like two years uh this is what shimbo himself has been working on uh and uh it, it's great because you know i've always loved shaft but their material that they've chosen has been trash like this is like this That's is like one way of putting it this is like finally they've you know shimbo is adapting material that is like worthy of his talents and um you know he adds his uh you know type of visual flair that kind of makes what would what could be a bit of a dry you know animation wise story you know his kind of you know Right, because this is this is just like contemporary. Yeah, there's no there's no setting. like supernatural elements or anything. It's it's just you know modern day Japan stuff, but he adds his kind of you know abstract visual flourishes to it to make it like really beautiful and interesting to watch. Hmm. Um, it's yeah, like I and what I think one thing I want to do want to specifically talk about since this is season two specifically, I I actually like season two better than season one, which is rare. I mean that. How often does that happen? Um, right. My main uh, boy, off the top of my head, <laughs> it's 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 not a again. If you think about it, it doesn't happen too often. Like usually, usually you're doing good if season two is like as good as season one. Like it doesn't drop off. It's not often that. This is, but this is based on an ongoing manga. Right? Yes. So like, um, my main criticism of season one. And this is, I think, part of the fact that it's just a long series because now we're at like 40-something episodes because uh, each season has been two cores. Um, my main my main uh, criticism of season one was the last like f- maybe five episodes kind of went off on tangents on, on the side stories of some of the other Shogi players. And anytime the show gets like too far from the main core of like Ray and the three sisters, I, I think it loses a lot. Um and they season two kind of brought the focus not only back over to that, but when they did do the side stories, they were like kind of short and punchy and like had a lot of impact. Like my, my actual favorite episode of this stretch was, was not about Ray. It was about one of the, uh, one of the other Shogi players who was like, he's like the oldest top rank player. He's like in his sixties and it kind of focuses on his like burden of all his friends that have like, you know, either retired stop playing shogi or they're dead and and uh okay okay it it was it was such a good it was only like i can't remember if it was only the one episode or two episodes at most and it was and it was kind of presented as like you know all all the shogi players they kind of present as like different paths that ray could take in his career or whatever and this was just like kind of another insight under that and they do a much better job of like tying it all together Mm -hmm. in season two and they also you know they had a great um they had a great one of the best arcs overall uh, covering one of the sisters and dealing with bullying in, at school. And uh, right. they clearly like 
it wasn't just like the anime version of it. Like they, like you could tell the author either experienced it or put a lot of research into dealing with that. Like the way they handled the topic was very like nuanced yeah. and like they even uh, tied in like a real life, um, like bullying awareness campaign thing when they aired that arc with the anime. Sure. Which is pretty cool. Okay. Sure. So, you know, between those things, I felt like season two was like even stronger than season one. It's just uh, like, I don't really have anything bad to say about this like you could show this to anybody there's nothing like weird or weird anime perviness or anything into it like my sister watched it and she loved it you know it's kind of kind of like what we're going to talk about in the next show like it's something you could recommend to anybody without you know without reservation so the rare anime with zero caveats (laughs) could you imagine no asterisks could you imagine pre before this show Saying that any Shimbo show that you you could recommend, could you name any other Shimbo show that you could recommend to a, anybody on the planet to watch without some kind of caveat? Uh, but uh, uh. he uh, <laughs> he keeps his pants zipped up on this one. It's not a. <laughs> well, that's 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 impressive. Uh, yeah. So I uh, respect his restraint, I suppose. Yeah, but yeah, just a great show mm-hmm. overall. Yeah, sure sounds guys... like it. I mean, I. You guys have plenty to add. Uh, look, I'm, I'm like, 65 episodes, man. Look, I'm trying to be like as like you know as as diplomatic as I can about this, and it's just like I, I didn't watch it. You know, I, I I never watched a single episode of it. I, I always heard you guys talking about it, and I think it's definitely it's it sounds like the kind of show that you know I think you know if I had put the time into, I could probably come around on appreciating, but. I kind of I feel like I said that about Rockago last year too, you know, just like these kind of shows that well, I, yeah. I guess it's hypocritical because I'm telling people they should watch Devilman and like fucking destroy themselves, <laughs> but it's just like I guess I have to be in the right like mental state in the right place of, you know, yeah. time to uh I mean, I think I re- invest myself in these kind of shows. Yeah. I think I think this uh, we're going to I think we're going to have a kind of a similar conversation on the next show, I think. These have very yeah. these have a very broad these shows have a very broad appeal. I think anybody that I don't think you could watch these shows and like hate them, but your but your mileage is going to vary. Like if you're not in the mood for this yeah. kind of thing, or you know it's not really your thing, you might watch it and say, okay, this is okay, but you're, you know it's not going to be like your favorite thing, which is fine. Yeah, but I, I, I do mean, think it's a broad. I think, you know, I'll echo the yes. Yeah, go ahead, G. Sorry. I was just saying, I think I'll echo that, you know, this sentiment later when we talk about number one, but I think it's just that, I think in this era, or specifically this year of anime, like, anime has become so, and I think this is a good thing, it has become so kind of diversified in tone and presentation and aesthetic, that like, you know, if there's someone like me who has like a very, like, narrow spectrum of like, what is specifically my brand of bullshit, like... I found like five shows this year that kind of hit that niche. So like, you know, for someone like me, I didn't really necessarily feel the need to seek out these kind of more uh, broader appeal shows. But, right, you know, at the same time, I, like I said, I think that's kind of what made this year of anime so great, right? Like I had, you know, you had shows like Garo and Megalobox and you had shows like Gridman and, you know, Bloom Into You and now you have shows like... Uh, March comes in like a lion, right? Like you just, it, it kind of runs the whole gamut of what this, uh, this medium can achieve. There truly is something for everyone. Yeah. You know, some might say <laughs> it's the best time to, to be watching anime. 
Um, it's uh, been nothing but growing in the past few years, according to that one headline on A and N. Yeah, so. I, I I do feel like it's. Uh, I mean, I don't get too much into the broader anime meta conversation, but it it is. Uh, it does feel like it's made a comeback. Uh, so to speak, yeah. whatever that might mean, however you want to gauge that. I mean, you know, it's always <laughs> hard to tell because it's only one year, right? Like one year doesn't make a trend, but if 2019 and 2020 kind of follow up what 2018 has done. Like, I, I think we've been moving. It's, it's definitely a promising sign. I think I think we've been moving in that direction for a couple of years. And this has been kind of like the broadest year for like variety of, of things. But I could kind of like, I mean, going I mean, back to, you know, I wrote about this years ago. I think part of it is, you know, anime now looking to appeal to not just men, but women as well, um, and looking for broader demographics and expanding, you know, you know, sure, every yeah. show isn't just sex and violence anymore. You know, it's there's a lot wider variety of topics and themes and and there's there really is, you know, just about something for everyone, which is great. But uh, yeah, anyway, I, mean, I think in many ways, you know, <laughs> Uh, for better or worse, I think that's kind of like why I think this is the first year we've had in a while where our uh, number one anime was not unanimous, I think. You know, I think if you look at back at our at the past few years of the blog, not that it was always unanimous, but I think I think the past two, three years, you could kind of predict what was going to be number one from. Uh, yeah, so let's, you know, let's get into that. Pretty so early on. I, I, yes. I agree when I realize because I, as I was you know I'm the one that's tallying the votes as I was adding them up it became pretty obvious to me early that oh uh, a place further than the universe is going to be our number one anime of 2018 and I probably wouldn't have thought yeah, that apparently so I probably wouldn't have thought that beforehand but uh you know the more I thought about it again it kind of is a you know I don't want to say safe but it is a very universal appeal type of show where every, where whereas well there were some people that picked it number one but uh at the most almost everybody had it on their list um and i mean th th this is the show that i mean hell even the new york times listed this as one of the best tv shows of the year like it it, <laughs> it, it has a very broad uh appeal to it and so again we're talking about a place further than the universe the show that we affectionately refer to as South Pole Girls. Um, this is the show. This is a story about uh, a girl. Her, her her mother was a um, scientist or something in in basically Research. a researcher. So and she she died on a trip to Antarctica and she's and so this girl has wants to go on a trip there basically and uh, she meets these other girls that kind of get on board with going on the trip. And it's, um, it's interesting that like when you say this, like this all came out of nowhere. Cause we were all expecting the show to be like at best, like nice, but boring or whatever. And, uh, yeah. Cause it, it, you know, when you, when you read the description, it sounds like, you know, your typical girls club anime just insert going to Antarctica for, you know, whatever other club activity could have been camping, like in laid back, camp. starting a band, starting a band, you know, whatever, taking up long distance bicycle riding. <laughs> These are all real shows. Um, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> 
And uh, I think if I were to, you know, boil down what makes this show different is it makes, well, there's, there's a, there's a couple things, uh, you know, for one, it is a much broader scale. There are big dramatic moments. Uh, there are th- things that happen that are kind of maybe emotion more, have more emotional depth than what you would typically see in what those type of shows. But what kind of nailed it for me is more of the small stuff. Um, it's very grounded. Yeah. And like, they really make a lot of effort to make the yeah. girls kind of have well-rounded personalities and feel more like real people and not like anime cutouts of like a dude writing what he thinks high school girls sound like. Um, you know, I, I kind of talked about right. that and, you know, one of my favorite an- anime moments on my list was in the show where they're like making fun of the one girl for messing up a word or whatever. And it's like, that's the kind of stuff that like real friends would do. Um, and you know, that adds, you know, you, ha- when you put, when you have that as your foundation and then you add the big, more dramatic, emotional stuff on top of it, uh, it, it really works really well. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, Did I miss anything? I, I truly wish. <laughs> um, hmm. Yeah. I was just really impressed by like how, yeah. Like, as you said, how, uh, the characters act because when you think of this this type of show the cute girls doing cute things sort of show like it is i well like i just said it's just an excuse for cute girls to do cute things and everyone can go oh look how goofy and cute it was that they sat around and talked about cake or whatever when they're <laughs> supposed to be playing music but um like this is an actual story about characters trying to achieve a goal and like actually doing it. It's taking this yeah, taking this like and it's not just, like like okay, I don't want to shit on Kaon too hard here, but like No, please. By all means, <laughs> shit on Kaon. It's just Kaon is just like, oh, we're going to start a band and oh, we we bought their instruments like at the store and now we're doing right. band stuff the band stuff is like the band stuff is like at most 20 percent of the show that might be generous also it just also what i was getting at is it just happens like there's no real struggle or growth to achieve that goal right whereas in in uh, a place further than the universe like we set up this goal of reaching the antarctic and the progression of steps for and plans of how these random high school girls are going to reach the antarctic right like yeah there was actually follows, follows a like follows a like logical if if a slightly contrived but um, it follows a logical series of events and it feels workable. There was actually a point you in know, the show. There's a plausibility to it. Yeah, right. There was actually a point early in the show where I was like, are they even going to make it to Antarctica? Or is that going to be like the end of the show? Because they, they were really. Right. But then they make it to Antarctica like halfway. Right. <laughs> and it, it works. Cause like, cause they, they, it was a good balance of like, they did put in the work. Like it wasn't just like, let's go to Antarctica. And then, you know, 
next episode they're on a boat to Antarctica. Like they actually had to, like they even had to like right. you know stop over in Australia, so like raise money, like, go through like the training, right? And yeah, there was progression. And find those bullshit loopholes. Yeah, yeah, and it, yeah, and the individual character stuff was also very gratifying. Right. I think there there was stuff happening. Like it wasn't just like you said sitting around eating cake and talking about music. Like there was actually yeah. progress and things happening and like, if, yeah. And like emotional stakes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I think this kind of loops back around to when we were talking about uh, the kind of the strengths of dragon pilot, like the, the girls have kind of very well-rounded personalities and some of, <laughs> some of it's good and some of it's bad. They have like, they get mad and like petty and like, uh, you know, kind of like real people do. And it's, you know, that's part of the, you know, the, the, I think the appeal of the show and, you know, I mean, yeah, I feel like my favorite, my favorite episode was probably when they're at Antarctica and it's like the call in day or whatever. And, uh, it's like, Oh, you get to talk to your friends and family over the video or whatever. And, uh, Hinata doesn't have anyone really to talk to. So her like old track team people show up. And she fucking hates their guts. <laughs> and it's just because for various backstory reasons, but like you spend the whole episode with her dealing with this until the end where like you in any other show, there'd probably be some like tearful reconciliation with these people who kind of ruined her life. Right. But no, they just get on the phone and basically say, fuck you, <laughs> get out of here. It's pretty great. Uh, oh, was so good. That was that was really good. And like, yeah, so mo- the mo- the instead of a tearful reconciliation, it's now I got better friends. Right? Yeah, exactly. I've I've upgraded. I didn't get out of my life, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Like that's that's more like believable, relatable, whatever you want to call it, than you know some magical dream world where you know everybody's going to be friends forever. And like even even the like the main girls themselves don't always mix like all the time either like it's th- like they they all become friends right. but like they still kind of get on each other's nerves and like they you know they're not like when the show starts like they don't know each other so, so like it's not like they were a group of friends that decided to go to antarctica like they all kind of come together and there's kind of tension and you know kind of butting heads here and there as well so um but yeah just uh, some some great uh, kind of human level drama and, you know, if anything, I would say some of the, some of the bigger moments are probably even like the weaker, maybe some of the weaker moments. Um, I'm not gonna say weaker, but I, I would say the, I would say the strength of the show, like the real core strength of the show is more of like the, it's the moment, the moment, moment, moment like stuff. And, and, and like the big, like, I think the, you know, the big kind of, yeah, I don't really want to spoil anything, but you know, the big Antarctica moment, let's say, I think worked well enough. If it was a maybe a little dramatic, but um you know, it still worked. Yeah. Um and as we said, there's no asterisks next to that title no, yep, you if could, you want to recommend it to people. You know, if the if the New York Times is recommending it, it's probably <laughs> you know Oh, I don't know. Probably <laughs> There's probably no weird underage nudity or something like that to worry about. 
at the very least. Or no, no, I meant more the New York Times uh, recommendation, to, uh, trusting the New York Times for your anime recommendation. Well, I'm not necessarily talking about quality. I'm just talking about not having any kind of weird <laughs> anime perv content. Yes, in it. yes. Um, which indeed, indeed. Yeah. Uh, you know, these types of things very well could have. Yeah, but sure. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I, a lot. yeah, I will, I will be as diplomatic as I can be and just say that, uh, I wish I saw what you guys saw on the show. I watched the first two episodes and, you know, again, not to, uh, take away from your guys' enjoyment of it, but, uh, I guess for me in those first two episodes, I didn't really see the, uh, I didn't see the spark of that show evolving past its like cute girls doing cute things format. And, and I do want to just defend myself here and say that I don't, you know, I don't like just broadly dislike that genre. Uh, Shirobako was my favorite anime of uh... God. How many years ago was that at this 2016? point? Sixteen. 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 Was that twenty sixteen? That I feels think... like a million years away ago yeah, at but... this point. Let's play twenty sixteen. Yeah. No, wait, because uh... no, because no, twenty seventeen was Made in Abyss. Twenty sixteen was Erased, right? Maybe it was so... fifteen. I thought Erased was twenty fifteen. Okay, twenty fifteen. Yes, yes, because twenty fifteen was the oh, year I was in God. Singapore. Okay. Okay, it's coming back to me now. <laughs> hey, they go to Singapore and place further than you or spend a whole episode yeah. there. <laughs> well, <laughs> so I mean, I guess I, I just want to say, I, I want to say I don't, you know, I don't just like, you know, automatically dislike the genre. In fact, you know, works like Shirobako did a great job to convince me that there were some, well, there, there's, a, there's a whole lot of merit to this kind of show. But I guess, I, I guess for me personally. G, G, let me just. And you're right. Let me I, just throw. Let me yes. throw this out there. How much of Shirobako, not to get too off on a tangent, how much of Shirobako is just the fact that it was about animation and you're into animation, that you're an artist? Oh, a gigantic yeah, question. So I, a tremendously if, if they were, major aspect if, of Shirobako. If Shirobako was about, subject matter. if Shirobako was about, uh, I don't know, name another business. Going to the Antarctic. They, or running, I'm, I'm going to well, say running a business of some kind, like a, other PA work shows, like like Soccer Quest. Hey, now I, <laughs> like, I like. Okay, well here's the thing. Well here's the thing. Right, I liked Soccer Quest too. So like, I didn't like it as much as Shirobako, but I found that to also be a truly compelling uh, anime in that mold. So yeah, okay. I don't know. Okay, so maybe the actual trend we're noticing here is that I find it much easier to sympathize and, uh, you know. Uh, be invested in young adult professionals instead of high school girls. <laughs> so maybe that's the actual difference. Uh, sure. Maybe, maybe if the cast of uh, a place further than the universe were all like young salary women instead, maybe that's all that would there, take. There, to, there uh, are some, uh, there's some cool, adult, there's some cool adult ladies that, uh, and, <laughs> cause, cause once they, cause I mean, after, I don't, I, I don't know. It's, because they sign on with an actual research trip. Yeah, at some point adults. they don't. Sure, at some point sure, they yes. just stop going to school. So like, uh, yeah, I would hope so. Yeah, so like most of the show is like them hanging out with adults and stuff. But yes, I, I get what you're yeah. saying. Right, they do have to like get permission to yeah. leave absence from look, school look, for I, six I, months. Again, I I do I get it I get it right I get what you guys are saying I think, and maybe I should just give the show more of a chance. You know, like two episodes is in the grand scheme of things not a whole ton of exposure to. I mean that's that's a, a story, pretty fair but, shot. Uh, that's more than I gave Megalobox. So. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you know what? Okay, then fine. Maybe maybe I'm allowed to be petty. I can't, I can't be a, I can't be a hypocrite. <laughs> I can't be a hypocrite here. I barely made it through the first sure. episode of Megalobox. Yeah. So, 
Um, but uh, yeah, I, you know, I, again, I don't want to just turn this into the like it's number one under protest, you know, yeah. speech or anything. But uh, I will just say that I'm glad you guys right. seem to. <laughs> yeah. I don't like it. Mega Box Anime of the Year 2018. <laughs> Let's close it. I, I thought. No, I, I'm I kidding. Because, I thought uh... because Anime of the Year 2018 is uh, is actually Legend of the Galactic yeah, here, Heroes. There Let's go. There it is. But... There it is. <laughs> but but yes, I'll just close up by saying I, in all seriousness, I I'm glad you guys you know seem to enjoy it. I I wish I could have seen the appeal, but uh, yeah, you know, again, I think to go back to what I said at the end of the uh, the March comes like a lion, you know, discussion. Uh, you know, it's cool that anime is so diverse now. You know, like, I think I think for better or worse, it was starting to become a worrying trend that I could so, like, I could so easily predict our number ones every year for a little while there. Like, yeah. You know, with that, like, the selection was so poor. Yeah, that... yeah, like, it was such a narrow selection that it's like, well, what, it, what else could win other than Erased or what else could win other than Made in Abyss? Like, this was the first year in a really long time where I was like, Shit, I'm I'm not actually sure what wins number one, and I, I guess according to Gel, the numbers actually proved it was pretty definitive. But at least from my perception of things, like I, it seemed more, uh, it, it seemed more diverse. It seemed uh, less uh, less obvious this time around. I think. Yeah, and, uh, that's cool in and of itself. Because the other thing was like when I when I was doing the numbers, like oh, this is going to be number one. I also was like, well, I'm not sure what else would have been. Like I feel like any of the, you know, there's probably a couple of shows that could have been number one and I would not have been shocked uh, this year, which is definitely, I guess that's what your point is. I think it's a good thing. It's a good thing. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, yes, you say, you say it was by a wide margin and I have to admit that's because um, I'm surprised by that because personally, a place further than the universe was such a non-entity that I literally forgot it existed until you posted the top 10 list. Like, yeah. It was a show that had never even like entered my my mental math and considerations. Yeah. So in that way, that's probably why it surprised me so much. But also, I feel like everything else I had watched, and I feel like everything else we had talked about this year, uh, was just you know, it's just so uh, all over the place in a good way that. Yeah. That uh. Yeah. I think uh, I think anything could have uh, won number one, and you know. Other than a place further than the universe, and I would have said, "Huh, okay, that makes sense." Yep, Double Decker number one. Hell yeah! So, <laughs> anyways, as we approach the two-hour mark, let's uh, let's get all this other shit out of the way, and let's talk about the actual uh, number one uh, anime. Are we gonna rename two thousand eighteen? Are we gonna rename the uh, the award the award uh, the Legend of the Galactic Heroes presents best anime the best anime uh, of the year. <laughs> Uh, the uh, you know, here's a joke I really wanted to make. Thinking about that, was the I was gonna say the X character memorial best anime of the year award, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure you guys know which character I'm talking yes, about. Definitely, but I feel like that would be a it would be pretty poor form to spoil Legend of the Galactic Heroes in a different podcast. So. Yeah, uh, you know, but uh, but it, uh, it's is uh. Is that past the statute of limitations, though? I mean, it was thirty years ago at this point. Yes, look, and no, <laughs> no, no. Okay, look. Yes, we. Here's the thing. The reason I don't, I'm not gonna, for, I'm not gonna push it seriously this year is because look, we haven't finished it yet, right? For all we know, fucking, we could get to episode fifty and that shit just totally falls apart. But, but we are finishing. 
We will be finishing Legend of the Galactic Heroes, the original 1988 OVA, in 2019. Yeah. And <laughs> don't make, don't do this to me, G. Don't make me do this. Will, because I love to, uh, because just like Job Trunitz and Adrian Rubinsky, I love to watch things fall apart. Oh God! I will, uh, I will, I will happily, I will happily cause the destruction of the Glory Blog if that is what is required to, uh, uh. to make Legend of the Galactic Heroes number one anime of 2019. <laughs> yes, it's a, it's a very uh, good show. But I have to stick and, to. Uh, in all seriousness, I don't want to turn it into too long of a tangent. But I just, yeah, I have to stick to the only I, rule I we have. I just can't help but feel like uh, we should at least mention it very briefly here. For the like the third time this podcast. Yeah. Look, I just think that like of all the anime we watched this year, like, and we watched a lot of good anime, like, and the fact that Legend of the Galactic Heroes still like stands amongst them, and in my opinion, above them, like, uh, like it's real good. It's truly something special. And listen to our other podcast for more. Yes, yes, you can always listen to our other podcast, Legend of the Glory Heroes, where Iro and I, and occasionally some others, uh, talk about the uh, the iconic nineteen eighty eight OVA. And you know, again, I don't want to just uh, turn this into a long tangent, so I'll just say that uh, I know that its reputation makes it intimidating as hell, but I'd say still, please consider checking it out. You know, it truly lives up to the hype. It is truly worth it. It is very good. Yeah. So, on that note, since we've it's the podcast from over. On that note, since we've already started shilling podcasts, broken two hours. Since we've already started shilling podcasts, let's uh, wrap this up then with our <laughs> housekeeping. Uh, please read everything we write at theglorioblog.com. All of our very glorio 2018 posts. Excellent year end content. Excellent year end content, and our top ten that covers these shows is up, so you can get uh, everybody else's opinions. On these shows, so, uh, you know, go check that out. Uh, you know, like, comment, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts, uh, including Legend of the Glorio Heroes, as we have heard many, many, many times this episode already. Um, what did I miss? Oh, I forgot Twitter. Follow us on Twitter at the Glorio Blog. Uh, tell your friends. Tell your enemies. Um, hope everybody has a good 2019. Is that too optimistic? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you know what? Um, maybe, but also like, you know, yeah, just like, just like, just like, uh, our, our, you know, just like Uncle Go Nagai told us, like, you know, sometimes we just have to try. Right. What else can we do? So <laughs> even when we're being eaten by demons, yes, literal <laughs> demons literally and being literally eaten. You know, the, uh, you know, this world may be filled with bastards and despair. Oh man, we didn't even get to talk about anime movies this year. There are a lot of good ones. Oh yeah, maybe, maybe we'll do that another. Uh, maybe we'll do that a, another up episode for just that or something. Let's talk about that later. Let, yeah. Let's end this one. So, sure. uh, again, thank you guys for being on. Thank you to the rest of the Glorio crew. Thank you for everybody that has continued to put it up with us uh, in 2018, despite our changes and things that we've been doing. I know we've been doing a bit less writing. Hopefully, we can fix that in the near future. Um, but, uh, you know, I know I've enjoyed getting the podcast up there. Thank you all for, for listening. And, uh, yeah, here's hoping for, a, a, you know, a better 2019. And uh, we'll catch everybody for next next yeah. episode. Yep. Bye. See you later.